Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, This is Leif, and again, welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. I have been very inspired the last few days about one little thought that touched my mind. I just was looking on my bookshelf, and I found a couple of books about some of the heroes in my life. And I was looking through them. Some of them you will know the name, and maybe some of you wouldn't. But they will be some of the heroes of the previous mission movements, people that gave their life and literally changed the world, like the William Carey and the William Booth or the Wesleys. And I could just go on and on and on about the different stories of people, the Charles Finneys and etc. Some were revivalists, some were missiologists, some were pioneers. They had different assignments. But it was out of nowhere I got this one thought that hit me and started to actually looking in the mirror And it was the thought that someone, someone was behind that. Somebody supported, somebody invested, somebody said yes together with them. They were not alone. We often hear the story about a Billy Graham, but we do not realize some of the team that is behind, some of the individuals just working together with him. But there was also resource people that said yes to taking risk in business, that had an anointed for business, marketplace people, and we call them gospel patrons, kingdom gospel patrons, that eventually what it means is there's somebody, some that are protecting, providing, that came alongside. And I don't know why that hit me so much, but I feel it is also an invitation because I know there are some people out there that have not yet recognized one of the uniqueness of your calling, And second of all, I also wanted to honor and not just the people that are on the front stage that are sharing that people are aware of, but actually the ones that made this possible. Because according to the scripture, they're going to have equal shares in heaven. And I had this sobering thought, never said that out loud. And I felt it was the Holy Spirit as I looked at it. I was just thinking about the people that have sown into my life. Some of them I know... Some of you wouldn't even know, but say Frida Taylor. And I know Frida probably wouldn't like me to tell this story, but I will do anyway. But when we started Global Mission Awareness in 1999, and she worked at Fort Benning, Frida was one person who had a major encounter, a baptism of love, had a fresh experience with Jesus. She came to that little office that we had in a funeral home and came together. We prayed together, and we were just a small little team. But what people don't know, she became one of those gospel patrons that suddenly invested about half of what her salary was, was placed into the offering place to making sure that we had an opportunity to get the gospel, the good news to some of the darkest places in the world. She supported me. She supported my family in a time when we needed it. Another young, I wouldn't say young, but he was a, 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 a 
ranger, 3rd Battalion Ranger, Vietnam veteran, but he had an encounter with Jesus in one of meeting in a small little Baptist church and had an experience, a baptism of love. He was another one of those in the earlier days that came alongside us. And I still remember so many times we were just praying, wondering how we're going to do it this week, how we're going to send out the check to someone, how, how are we even going to eat? And he stepped along. His name was David. He also, I remember specifically, we needed $750. We didn't even say it, but there was a check from him, this electrician uh, that had had so many scars, gone through so much in life, but had a baptism of love. He was another one of those gospel patrons. There were so many of those people that I started to reflect over yesterday. And I thought about it. And the prophecy that people hear when Randy Clark prayed for me on June 6, 1995, that came in a seed format. And the things that I've been able to do, but also all the people that has been with me, the intercessors, the ones that build a stage, the one that was preparing the ground, the ones that make sure that the sound equipment were there, but all the different details that was involved. And when we stood there in 2013, in a stadium setting from Marcus Fida, who was celebrating 50 year of ministry, who was there and helping us to set up these things. It's almost like they're preparing the table and putting everything together and I just get to serve the food. That's how it feels like. And somebody also paid for that food. And we were able to feed the multitudes. And that day in 2013, when we added over 80 some thousand names to the Lamb's Book of Life, and we passed the 1 million mark, that was mission impossible. The very thing that we never dreamed would be possible. So I got so overwhelmed just reflecting over these gospel patrons that came along, these gospel givers, marketplace people, entrepreneurs, people that just said yes. Some didn't have much, but they gave. Other ones, they just woke up in the morning. And I still remember one person with tears in his eyes that says, thank you so much for the privilege that I get to be part of the harvest always taking place in the darkest places in the world. Took me to another memory stone. Jason, some of you may have even seen an interview that I had with Jason. He's blind, a Marine who signed up right after September 11 to serve his country. And then as a result that he stepped, he stepped actually on an explosive, was blown up, totally blind and all the scars. But in a meeting in Colorado, he just stood there and somebody led him up to me and he handed a check for $1,000 and he says, I want you to take the gospel, take the light and the love of Jesus to those people that did this to me. And I wept and I, I don't know why, but yesterday I was just sitting there, but so overwhelmed by the different people. And then in a moment I was thinking about Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking about Joseph. That was also part of his story, not his father, but the very Joseph who was a marketplace guy that came there actually and came and said, hey, what about his body? And he provided covering for his body. And then he gave the very tomb and provided a tomb. He was able to be there. I'm just thinking about some of those unknown heroes that is behind the line. And then I was reflecting. I want us to read a couple of scripture verses because as I opened my Bible, I was thinking about in Luke chapter 8. Verse 1, now it came to pass afterward that he went through the city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirit and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa. 
Herod Stewart, who was also Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. And then he went into the multitudes. It was just interesting that here specifically, it talks about there were some women, and these women had had an encounter. One, they talked about which Mary, the one with the seven spirit. They experienced a deliverance, healing, freedom. Jesus influenced their life, but they realized their calling, their uniqueness. Jesus, he could have multiplied food to be able to do just what he did with loaves and fishes. There's so many different ways he could provide it, <laughs> abundance. But instead, the scripture is clear that there was these gospel, kingdom gospel patrons, people that came alongside that had the honor of being part there in scripture that over 2,000 years later, we are talking about them, with their names, these three ladies here, to see Mary of Magdalene, and then Johanna, the wife of Chusa, and then you also saw Susanna, and there was other ones. They provided. They became the very provision, benevolent. They became the supporter. They made it possible for Jesus and his disciples to have the resources to be able to do what they did for those three years. Imagine the reward they are going to have in heaven. Then I started to reflect about the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker. He was a marketplace guy himself. But even in the middle of it, we realized Priscilla and Aquila had such a significant part in his life. If it was not for those people, and Paul later on honors them and honors them in the different churches. Do you see the fruit of the ministry that I do and what I'm able to accomplish and going to take the gospel where the gospel of Jesus has never been before? And then later on, he honored. Do you remember Aquila and Priscilla? Because of them, wow. They provided. They were some. Yeah, there was offering from the churches. There was other things. But he had some of those gospel patrons that was walking alongside. This became a very big, important thing for me as I started then to look throughout the scriptures and I recognize that there is nothing wrong to have people that God is raising up for such a time as this. They're coming alongside apostolic mission. There is people that are called to go, but then there is the senders. And Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. But really what touched me last night, I realized that myself, and I've had the honor of being one of those gospel patrons, one of those that have had the opportunity for so many years now to have abundance so that I have an opportunity to be able to provide. When I realized I've seen over one million names added to the Lamb's Book of Life, not because of just what I did, but because people invested into that, people that stood alongside. But what hit me yesterday, for me personally speaking, I've been able to be one of those kingdom gospel, meaning good news patrons, meaning a father that provides for some of the true heroes on the front line. And there was another million names added to the Lamb's Book of Life because of the sacrifices that we did, financially speaking. The people that we supported, like the Marcus Fida, the people that we did, and I could just go in story after story after story of key people and the fruit of their lives, of our time, talent, and treasure, how we made possible for the true heroes. And I realize this is also part of my assignment, is to continue to be a kingdom gospel patron. And I'm not apologizing for being a person <clears throat> that would have come alongside Jesus. I would have liked <clears throat> to be one that had invested 
in his life, or one that came along, and <coughs> Apostle Paul, and one, and I was thinking about it also, Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he again starts to describe, both in the introduction to the book of Luke and the introduction to the book of Acts, he described Theophilus, and he honors Theophilus. Theophilus was another one of those gospel patrons that gave Dr. Luke the opportunity to sit down and in detail sharing the story and also how the gospel continued through the book of Acts. As I'm reading those two books and an impossibility for me to not just thinking about the incredible gifting that Dr. Luke was in regard to how he's describing Jesus and how he's describing and especially for me from I was very young, I remember Luke chapter 2, how he described so clearly just the birth of Jesus. Or the first message that Jesus preached from Luke chapter 4, and he quoted from Isaiah 6. And I could go on and on and on, the impact that I had. But also as I'm meditating on the book of Acts. But when you talk to Dr. Luke, he said, let me tell you guys something. There was this guy, because his investment, I don't know if Luke had some Sabbath or what he invested. The Bible doesn't give us details. But Dr. Luke, honor was honor was due. There was a kingdom gospel patron that came alongside. And we see this now throughout history. Even as I'm sitting and talking to you, I have my Bible here in English. And I thought about it. There is a book, actually, where some of the stirring here came from. Uh, his name is John Reinhardt, the author. And I had the honor of meeting him at Renew Outreach. International. And I was up there, was doing some meeting and praying, and, and John was there. And I started to hear a little bit about his story and testimony, got to know him. And he actually prayed over me. But he wrote this incredible book about gospel patrons and people whose generosity changed the world. And when he was sharing some of these things, and I started to read a book just recently after this stirring was in my spirit, I started to read. I couldn't put it down last night. And there was one story that probably captured me maybe more than any of the other story. And that is, I don't know if you know a guy named Humphrey Manmouth. Let me say that again. Hey, Humphrey, and his name is Monmouth. And people say, I don't know. Okay, how many of you know how to read English? Yay! How many of you have an English Bible? Yay! Do you know why you have an English Bible? Because there was a man named William Tyndale. Ah, oh, you maybe have heard the name Tyndale, and you have the Tyndale Study Bible or Tyndale. Oh, William Tyndale. Because that he paid actually a price. He had his desire that it was not supposed to just be in Greek or in Latin, but to translate the Bible, that it was illegal. They were not supposed to be able to do that. And eventually, after a tough season, he died. I think it was only about like 41 years old when he died in prison. He paid a very, very high price. But Humphrey, that came alongside him, Humphrey was the very one at the moment that provided protection, came with a provision, gave him the resources, and stood with him all the way along until eventually he died. And actually, Humphrey himself paid a high price, was arrested, put in prison. He even used his own ships to be able to make sure the very shipment of English Bible was going to get out to the people. And it actually changed the world. And I could sit here and talk throughout the whole history of the people that were behind the scenes. These VIP seatings that is behind the scenes are the very people that made everything happen. 
So I'm just bringing this to the forefront of us because I think it is very, very interesting in this season as we are looking at a George Mueller. Uh, you maybe do not know, 1836, December 6, 1836. George Mueller just consecrated his life and he started to pray and he made himself just available to an encounter to take care. He was broken over the orphans. He didn't tell anybody about it. As he started to weep and pray because he was broken over something that was broken in heaven on the Father's heart, he started to do something that, if you know the history book, it changed the world. He started to take care of all of those different orphans. Next moment, one person coming in brings the furniture. Somebody else comes in and brings finances. Somebody else sells what they have. And from that very moment, he just continued to pray and pray. Never said what a need was that he continued to change pretty much the whole system that was in place. And it was also because there was all those gospel patrons that was out there without anybody saying anything. They learned how to listen to God. George Mueller has always been my hero in regard to how he prayed and how he operated in the gift of faith. I'm not on that level. I have a few people that are, that I was thinking about him and I reflected over him and it's like this wow effect who are those people? We're talking about how he heard from God and how he had faith to go down to his ship, not having any ticket, and just continue to going on board because he knows that God is going to provide and supernatural happen. Because everything he did, he pulled from heaven and God did it. And we love those stories. But the story is as big. What about the people that out of nowhere would sell all of your furniture and come and show up and bring it to an orphanage? Didn't they hear the same voice, see the same face? and having the same radical faith to be able to make that decision. So there were so many of these people also that God stirred up. And that's one level to this. And I know that some of us, we like that part. It seems like the sovereignty of God and you praying and God is moving and working and that seems good. But then there was another one and that was Hudson Taylor. It was very, very different system. And again, operated very differently. Had maybe systems in place the one that started a China's Inland Mission. But here, somebody that shared out and made it available. And again, God spoke to different people. People came alongside, and in today's economy, they said it would be between 160 and 170 million dollars that came in, and again, it impacted the world. I'm putting this together because I feel it is important for us to tap into the gift of generosity. Actually, science can prove it that people that are generous live longer and they are happier. People that are givers, and it is probably one of the biggest privileges that I have in my life. And I think that anyone that is around me, if you have been close to me, you will find that it gives me so much joy of giving because God so loved the world that he gave. God is the ultimate giver that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. I do believe with all of my heart that Jesus understood this secret, that we can just learning how to give. Well, like one of my friends said, because he is so generous, and I was like, well, how do you do it? He says, well, I got a shovel and God have a shovel, but his shovel is bigger than mine. And as soon as I shovel out, God shovels in. And there's something beautiful people that is learning how to operate in this incredible, I call it a circle of the supernatural provision where God and his generosity. And I'm not saying this to do a fundraising now. I'm not doing this now to raise partnership. And because I do know that there's people out there just like Jason, but there's so many other people that God just spoke to them or they just came in and they just, they said yes. 
and the difference that we have around the world. And I am so grateful for so many of the different people that are thinking from an eternal perspective. And that's what I was reflecting over, looking at scripture, some of those true heroes, including these three women around Jesus, how they're going to be remembered for eternity. So I don't know where you are at. If there's lesson number one for all of us, and that is, I want to challenge you to be generous. Generous in your tipping, generous in your loving, generous in giving compliments, but learn to live a lifestyle of generosity because it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to challenge you on the next level. Ask God for the gift of giving. It's a gift, a grace. <laughs> when there's a grace over your life of not hoarding, but giving. And uh, where you are maybe even starting the year to not saying, how much am I going to make this year? or How much am I going to save? But how much am I going to give this year? and base everything upon how much you're going to be able to give. Another thing that I wanted to challenge, and that's just going to be the third challenge as part of, will you be also a gospel? Maybe God is calling you to be a gospel, or a kingdom gospel patron, somebody coming alongside. Even about an hour before this, David Cho, my assistant, he came in and he said, we have 96 lighthouses of love in Cuba now. Last time it was 60, and it's just being multiplied. In the interview right before I did here with Benji and Daniela, they've planted over 10,000 churches that reached 50 unreached areas with the gospel through their ministry. There's so many heroes on the front line. Somebody's coming alongside them. And I've said yes. I've said yes that one of my biggest privileges is going to be able to make sure that the people that are good investment out there people that are on the front line. And some of them, it costs $100 a month for them to establish a lighthouse of love in their neighborhood and their region and their area. Just like the witch in Cuba that we support for $100 a month. That lady, I'm not, she's not a witch any longer, by the way, but she was into witchcraft and darkness. But because somebody's investing in love and investing in light, she's now the top evangelist that I know in all Havana, Cuba. And she's the greatest worshiper I have seen. I was just thinking about, I don't even know which one, because we have many people that are kingdom partners. But imagine how this is going to look for eternity when we are standing before him, because that each one of us decided to choose the lifestyle of Jesus, a lifestyle of generosity. And some of us even were gifted, and I've said yes to that gift and to that grace of being a gospel patron to coming alongside the true heroes that are on the front line and making sure that they get the resources, they get the light, they get the love, they get everything that is needed. And according to scriptures, it's going to be an equal share in heaven, the one that is going and the one that is giving. This is not where we are kind of a, hey, we need your money for you to do. No, we get to partner together. And this is what we get to do together. This is the way that Jesus viewed these women here in Luke chapter 8. This is what Paul saw there with Priscilla and Aquila. This is what Dr. Luke saw in regard to Theophilus, in regard to what he was doing. What we see throughout the scripture, that this is a mutual partnership for people like you and I that are blessed to be a blessing. I hope this challenged you. 
hope this got you to think. I know it's a little bit different topic, but I do want in this season to invite. We believe just for us right now, there's a thousand people out there that is going to be ambassadors of love that we're going to invest in. And we want to make sure that they get the resources, a thousand of them. So this is an invitation. If you're not one of them, just pray into it. This is no manipulation, but it is an invitation for you to join me to be another one of those gospel patrons that is going to give them the opportunity. They've already said yes, and God has said yes. But they need somebody to say yes together with them. And that's uh, our privilege. It's our great joy. That's why there's so much joy for people, cheerful, cheerful givers. And God is the most cheerful of all givers. And he gave the best, Jesus, for us. And then Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, now we are the given sons and daughters. And we're giving ourselves to a world that needs a God that looks like Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.